0: Back to Creative Chit Chat. I'm Ryan McLeod. I hope you're all well. Um, I'm back with another batch of episodes um, that I'm still sort of getting ready, but uh, there will be six brand new Creative Chit Chats um, over the next six weeks. And starting out this week, I've got Gillian Elizabeth of the Little Green Larder, so um, owner, founder, but yeah, it's a, a zero waste um sustainable store that sells loads of great food stuff but um also products as well. And we talk a lot about that in the in the episode and the, the sort of range of products and how Gillian selects those and um yeah, what standards she holds um Close to her heart, um, in order to for a more sort of sustainable future, um, for a more sort of equitable and, and ethical future as well, and and it's really interesting, even just like the our bestseller, so the the vegan pick and mix. We talk about that and how just making a few choices, just just changing a few things in the way that you purchase from suppliers means that you can make a whole range or a, a whole offering um, much more accessible to a much broader audience. Um so yeah, the, I mean there there's loads in this episode. Um like Jillian talks brilliantly about everything that she does and the the sort of the, the thought process that's behind it, the 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 drive that she has to create the store and sustain it. Um and I, if I'm honest, the the driver for me to get Jillian in to talk about all this um was actually a post that she put out on social media a couple of months back. Um and it was titled uh come and say hello so we don't have to, to say goodbye. The the shop was going through a real difficult point. Um and I think I mean, we talk about the, the sort of the peak in the trough um sort of during and then post sort of pandemic and lockdowns and that sort of stuff and how local businesses have seen that sort of did see that rise and that spike when everyone was focused on, on buying local and um yeah, was was at home, I suppose. Um, and then, as things started to open up, we started to broaden out, and, and maybe didn't focus quite so much and support those local businesses. And that is starting to see that effect. I mean, and it's hitting places really hard. Um, and I think we talk about it in the episode. I can't remember if it's it was in there or before we chatted about it. But the just the sheer volume of sort of sustainable. Um, zero waste and eco focused businesses that are having to close of all over scotland all over the world um just because it's such a a difficult time to to, to run and sustain a business um so we go into into all that um yeah it, it's a fantastic episode and actually i regret not moving the the bit where we talk about all the buzzwords all the terms right to the front but jillian talks brilliantly about sort of her understanding her, her perception of all these sort of terms that are flying about at the moment and it's sort a of marketing and all that sort of stuff so but yeah i, I realize I'm, I'm absolutely rambling on here um yeah just listen to the episode for yourself um but before we get into it um there is now a way to support the podcast um if you'd like to buy me a cup of coffee and um, it's ko-fi.com forward slash ccc dundee um and yeah it's a way that you can help me continue to put great people in front of the microphone. Um, but yeah, let's get into this week's episode. This is Gillian Elizabeth, owner of The Little Green Larder.
1: So um, I originally, when I left school, I went to college to study beauty therapy and um, doing massage and nails and waxing. And I did really enjoy that, but I really started getting into makeup and enjoying that more. So I then studied for another two years in makeup artistry And then um, after I left college, I just started working as a makeup artist. So I was doing a lot of photo shoots. Um, Me and one of my friends, actually, Kirsty, we ran a boudoir studio. She did all the photography and I did all the hair and makeup. Um, And then I would do loads of weddings. I did over, I would say over 400 weddings. Um, That became my main thing that I was working on weddings. And uh, I also worked as the head makeup artist on Schemers which was Dundee's first feature film which was really fun Um, it was set in the eighties and filmed in and around Dundee so yeah I really loved um, my job as a makeup artist I enjoyed working for myself and I loved working on the weddings getting to know uh, new brides and being part of their day but when I was approaching 30 I really did start to feel like something was missing and I just had this kind of feeling that I wasn't Doing enough good in the world, and you know, I just wasn't really where I wanted to be. Although I did love my job, I just felt like there was a bit missing. Um, at the same time, I was also really uh, struggling to find any food without plastic. I was, uh, I couldn't. I was going into supermarkets, and just everything was in plastic. And I was really hoping that someone would open a sustainable shop in Dundee. There kept on being rumours that someone was going to open them, but um, it quite often just fell through and nothing ever came of it.
0: And so, like, so at that time, you'd seen other sustainable shops in other cities?
1: Yeah, so I went um, I went to New York and there was a sustainable shop out there. It's not like mine, it didn't sell food, but it sold loads of like sustainable beauty items like bamboo toothbrushes, moon cups, things like that. And I just thought, oh, this this is amazing. I remember that was on like the top of my list of things to visit um, when I was in New York. And I told myself, right, you can spend $100, that's it. And I went there, I think I spent about $300 or something. I just couldn't, there were so many things that I wanted to buy. But I mean, that was about four years ago and loads of the things I'm still using now. Um, A lot of the times when you buy something, Um, that is more sustainable and long term you can use it for life or for a really good length of time I had seen some shops like that in England as well and then a few further out in Scotland so I yeah I was really hoping that someone would open one but it just wasn't happening and eventually I thought you know I was wanting a bit of a career change but because I've always worked for myself I couldn't imagine ever working for someone else again so I thought well why don't I just open a zero-waste shop? So, uh, yeah, it was my 30th birthday present to myself. <laughs> I uh, ran away to Romania and volunteered for a month at a dog shelter and then came back and opened Little Green Larger a month later. So, it was a bit of a mad 30th birthday, but it was good.
0: I don't think I've ever heard someone, like, it's a very unusual present.
1: Yeah, I know, I know. Um, I just... I just wanted it so much <laughs> you know I just um I really wanted I would traveled to other ones in Scotland um but you know driving quite a distance to get to a zero way shop it's like how, how sustainable is that um you know you have to to weigh up so eventually I was like if there was one closer it would be great and I just thought you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna do it myself um,
0: and did it have to be a did it have to be a physical shop front
1: for me, it did because I just think online is kind of tricky when it comes to all of the loose foods. You know, I mean, um, we've got over three hundred refillable items, and there really does need to be a physical place that people can come and bring their containers and fill up. Uh, we do offer we do do deliveries as well, where we'll deliver them out to people in paper bags, um. But for a lot of the people that are close by the shop, it is just you can come and there's so much choice, and you can just fill up your containers.
0: When you, yeah, when you say you you gave yourself the present, yeah. was that the the permission? Was that the the lease to a shop? Like what what was that?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of just you know the idea of I was like I'm turning thirty. What am I going to do for my birthday? You know, I wanted to do something. Um, kind of big-ish, something important, something that I thought could maybe make a difference, which was also part of the reason that I went to volunteer in Romania. Um, But yeah, it was just kind of like the idea that for my 30th birthday, that was what I was gonna do. I I was actually saving for a house and uh, I took all of my savings for that and used it to open the shop instead.
0: So how did you go about finding the location?
1: So for me, it was either going to be the city centre or the Perth Road. Like I wanted somewhere central, somewhere like lively, that there was a lot of other independent shops um, and somewhere that, you know, people are passing by quite a lot and would notice and think, oh, what's that? I'll go in there. Um, So I just, yeah, I just visited loads viewed loads of different shops on the Perth Road it was quite difficult though because I was a new business some landlords were a bit wary other businesses were getting you know I'd put in an offer for the the you know to take on the lease but other businesses that were more established were just snapping up and uh, my business advisor Michelle at Business Gateway I was quite disheartened and she kept on saying Gillian the perfect shop is going to drop in your lap and you're going to think, I'm so glad I didn't take all these other shops that I really wanted. Um, and that happened because uh, where we are now, somewhere else, another business had taken it on, but it would fallen through at the last minute. And my estate agent phoned me and said, oh, this is available. And I was like, I am on my way. Don't let anyone else see it. I'm taking it. And uh, yeah, so I took it.
0: So as it was the, the perfect shop. Yeah, Um, definitely. What were the requirements for you as a as for setting up the business?
1: Um, I wanted it to have nice big windows so that people could see in. I wanted it to be quite spacious and just ideally not needing a lot of work done, um, have like a good amount of wall space so that we could fit everything out. And also it was really important to me um that there wasn't stairs to it. So that we can be wheelchair wheelchair accessible, we do have a very, very small step. It's like an inch, um but uh, it's been tested with quite a few wheelchairs, and it's uh, it's good for <laughs> It's I mean, still it, accessible
0: It is a big consideration because there's so many buildings and cities that that just haven't been adapted or are really expensive to adapt.
1: yeah, um, that's it. it's
0: just not a consideration.
1: Yeah, I definitely wouldn't take somewhere that had stairs. One of the, you know, one of our co- core values is that we're accessible um, to everyone um and that we're inclusive to just everyone. So, yeah, that was really important to me that we didn't have stairs so that we wouldn't have to, you know, stop people from coming in.
0: Okay. Well, I mean, since you've mentioned core values, yes. Let's talk about them. Um so what at that point or I mean, yeah, at that point like, what were they what was really the, like important to you at the point at which you were setting everything up?
1: Yeah, so back then I don't think the core values were as formed as they are now because back then I, you know, it was all just an idea. But it was just so important to me that we were accessible, that all the staff was friendly and kind, um, and that we were inclusive, and that we were just trying to be as sustainable and ethical as possible. Um, I do find. We do sometimes get feedback that people think that we are a vegan shop so that you can can only come in if you're vegan. However, I always use our vegan pick and mix as the best example for that because it's inclusive for everyone. It's sweets. Who doesn't like sweets? They're vegan, so if you're vegetarian or you're vegan, you can eat them because there's no gelatin, um, there's no shellac, there's no beetle shells, things like that, um, which you do find in other sweets aren't in ours. Um, Also people from different ethnicities can eat them again because they don't have the gelatin in them if people maybe have a dairy intolerance and they can eat our sweets and then also everyone in between so they are more inclusive than a bag of haribo or you know what i mean some strawberry laces from a supermarket because you're not cutting out anyone so i do find to me, that a lot of the vegan things are more inclusive. Also, we don't buy in special vegan rice or pasta or lentils. They just are vegan because they're rice and pasta and lentils. So, yeah.
0: Cool. I, I mean, so the products that you choose, Yeah. Um, obviously you've got the, the food side of things, but you also have like lots of other ranges of, of products. Yeah. So what? how do you make those decisions about what is right for your store and how do you go about sort of sourcing them
1: yeah so for me i am we only work with um other businesses and wholesalers and things that have the same values as we do so i have had companies approach us before and say oh we'd love you to stock our products um and we can for you we can do them without plastic but to me that's not good enough because they should. If they can do them for me without plastic, then they should just do them for everyone without plastic. So there's been a few local businesses that just haven't made the cut because, although I understand that they're trying for us, I I just think they should. If they can make that change, they can make it across the board. So we do go for people that have the same values, people that are you know working really hard to be as sustainable as possible. Um, our very first supplier that we ever had as a lovely young girl called Amelia. Um, I think she was 11 when we first started working together when I first opened the shop, don't quote me on that. Um, but yeah, she runs Smelly's Soap and she's like a big advocate of selling our shampoo bars and our soap bars instead of things in uh, plastic bottles. And she's worked really hard to try and find the most sustainable products that she can and produce the soap in the most sustainable way. It gets wrapped in paper instead of plastic and things like that. Um, so to me, businesses like that stand out. We also work with Badgal Butcha. Heather uh, creates the most amazing kombucha that you've ever tasted. I hated kombucha until I tried hers. Um, it's also <laughs> great with a little gin in it if you want a wee cocktail. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, when we first started working together, it came in the glass bottles with just like a, a flip-off cap. But now she's totally changed it. They come in bottles with screw tops. We collect all the bottles back. She takes them back, sterilizes them, refills them with kombucha and puts on a new screw top. But also... um once customers have drank it they can come back to our shop they can buy a soap pump that screws into the top of the kombucha bottle they can buy a trigger spray for using like a bathroom cleaner or something they can buy, buy an oil pourer um, and they can actually transform their bottles into something that they can then use over and over again and refill at our shop um, which is absolutely amazing so yeah we try we really try and work with other businesses that are trying to be sustainable. No business is perfect. You know, everyone, we're all, you know, trying to work towards the same goal. But as long as, you know, if they're making the effort, and so are we, then I think it'll be good. We also, our main wholesaler is Green City. They're in Glasgow. They're a co-op. They've been going forever. I don't know. They supply most of the zero-waste shops in Scotland, but also, like, cafes and things like that. And they're... um. An ethical co-op, so they all of the products that they buy in, they check that they're ethical um, before they come in. So they do make our job easier because they've already checked all of the hundreds of products that we get from them. They've already checked them, and everything that comes from them is vegetarian.
0: So let's let's go back a little bit to your to your journey. Yeah. Um, so you've fitted out your shop. You've filled it with products. Yeah. Where did you start on the bringing people through the door and growing your audience?
1: Yeah, so the first day that we opened, I was terrified. It was a Sunday because I wasn't free on the Saturday because I still had weddings uh, that I was still working at. Um, and I didn't want to wait until the following Saturday because I was just, I'm very much, if I want to do something, I want to do it now. Um, so I ended up that I opened on a Sunday and the first 20 minutes no one came through the door and I was like, oh my goodness, what have I done? And then it was just like crazy. So many people came, um, just loads of people, they kept saying to us, and they still, customers still say this to us, but especially at the start, loads of people were saying, Dundee really needs a shop like this. Like, I'm so glad you've opened, this is so exciting. You know, this I've been waiting for a shop like this for so long. So, you know, customers just came to us. You know, there is a lot of people that are wanting to live a more sustainable life or shop in more sustainable ways. Um, so yeah, it just kind of grew and grew. And, you know, I'm a big fan of social media. So always using our Instagram to show people the new products that we have in to like highlight local businesses that we're working with or other businesses that we are maybe not working with, but support and like, Um. So yeah, it just it just kind of grew from there. The first year was was really, really, uh, really great, and we just every day people would ask us, "Oh, can you get in green lentils as well as red lentils? Can you get in jumbo oats? Can you get this?" And we would, I literally just at the till there was a list, and we would just write down what people were asking for, and then put an extra tick next to it every time someone asked. And the more popular items, we would just get them in, and uh, they're really was very little that we got in that wasn't popular you know everything people people were looking for so yeah it was good it just kind of went from there
0: and I suppose like as, as part of the company one of the things that's really important is the, is the community around that
1: yeah definitely um, I really you know try and go for well try and work towards the fact that our shop is part of the community and not just a shop You know, I mean, I I feel like we really get to know our customers, like there's some customers that had, you know, like little babies when we first opened three years ago and now they're three years old and they're talking to us and like they know my name and I know their name and, you know, we've got a little uh, llama stress toy that sits in the shop that I was given as a gift from uh, one of my brides years ago because we both like llamas and we've got a little Kermit the Frog that hangs in the window and... You know the kids always notice them, and they're like, "Oh, where's Kermit?" And yeah, I feel like we we do really get to know our customers. We know what they like. We know, you know, if there's a certain product that they like, and something related comes in, we'll say to them, "Oh, have you tried this? This is a new thing that's like that." And yeah, it's we're not just like the supermarkets, just trying to get people through as quickly as possible in the shop. I really do want it to be about an experience, like an enjoyable experience when you're coming in. Sometimes people come in just to chat you know we do get a lot of customers that just you know I don't care if someone doesn't buy anything you know for me it's just about talking to people and you know sharing you know we talk about different sustainable documentaries and things like that or things you know that have been happening in the world or people even just come in to ask us questions or say oh do you know what I'm trying to recycle this thing do you know where I can recycle it and I don't always know, but a lot of the time I'll know different spots in Dundee where you can recycle random things um, or where they can different groups and community groups that they can give things to. So, yeah, we really try and be part of the community. And we also do as well, try and do as much fundraising as we possibly can. Um, we internally fundraise for loads of different um, charities and community groups. We always choose a local one Um Right now we have a little um, a little coin drop at the till. One of my friends, Katie, has MS and she's fundraising for treatment. So we've got a little uh, coin drop that people can put their loose change in. And um, before we've raised for um, the Edinburgh Vet School because they looked after my lovely dog when she got hit by a van. So we fundraised uh, to donate to them for some new equipment. And um, we fundraised for the food bank. We fundraised for Eagle's Wings. Um, local care home on Magdalen Green, where my granddad was before he passed away, and um, we've we donated Christmas presents to them to all the residents, and we've fundraised for them a few times as well. So, yeah, we just try and find little local things um, that we can donate a little bit to. We also donate ten um, percent of our profits to local community groups and charities throughout the year. Um, last year, I just let my staff choose. I was like. You've got a hundred pounds to donate to a charity or a community group of your choice. Just let me know who you want to. and um, that was at the start of last year, and they just chose ones, and we just put money to them. So,
0: and then um, that's a really big commitment to 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 say that publicly and decide that that you you're going to definitively give a percentage of profits, give it away to 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 good causes.
1: Yeah, I mean, I just. i'm sure people always say oh it's the right thing to do but i genuinely do just believe it's the right thing to do you know i mean it's it's a difficult enough world as it is so if we can help in a little way um then we then we will
0: and so i mean it would be good to talk about obviously you built up the shop and built up your customer base um but i imagine a really difficult time um came along in the form of of lockdown and the pandemic and everything else Um, (laughs) and you might be sick to the back teeth of of talking about it but I'm kind of interested in how as a as a shop front on a high street essentially like that how did you deal with that that I mean it quite a a harsh and quick change to, to how you operate a business I'd imagine
1: yeah I mean it was back then you know when I first opened the shop we were open 7 days a week and i had one staff member that worked um between like 8 to 10 hours and i worked the rest of the time um which i loved and you know was part of the reason that i managed to build up the shop because i didn't have staff you know loads of staff to pay um so when covid hit it was just me and jack um who was my first employee also my lovely little cousin who worked for me um so it was really stressful because it, it was really really busy to start with um we because we buy things in bulk we buy 25 kilo sacks so loads of people were really worried and stressed that they couldn't buy food and we had all this pasta and rice and you know long life food that people can buy that can sit on their shelves and they don't have to worry all the dried chickpeas the lentils broth mix things like that um luckily we didn't have an issue getting fruit and vegetables in over lockdown um from our local suppliers so yeah it was really really busy um it actually got too busy to the point that we I decided to close the shop to customers and we would just do click and collect and delivery um because it was just it was just getting a bit too stressful um with people coming in the shop and maybe refusing to use the hand sanitizers and things like that it was all so uncertain um so we decided the, you know, the safest thing for our staff and our customers was to close um, because there was only two of us. If either of us got COVID, then we would have to actually close. Uh, so we thought it was just safer uh, to do click and collect and do deliveries. So we did deliveries um, with a company called ZippyD, but they've since closed. And we just did click and collect. And when I say click and collect, I mean, I our website wasn't up and running properly then. So people would just message us through Facebook what they wanted or come to the door with a list um, or they could phone us and uh, we would just take a card payment at the door. Um, so we started doing that. We started doing the veg boxes and the grocery boxes. So fruit and veg box is just a mix of fruit and veg and then a grocery box is half fruit and veg and then half like dried food or they might get an oat milk in it or like a tin of chopped tomatoes. Uh, you don't get to choose what's in the box. It's different every time. um. But yeah, that was really popular and people loved it because they said it was like ready steady cook. You know, I mean, a lot of people were trapped in the house and they were like, it's actually exciting to come and pick up the box and then go home and see what there is and decide what you can eat. And a lot of people said like it opened them up to new foods that they hadn't tried before. And then on a Saturday, we would do our window shop where we would fill the window with cakes and bread and people would queue up it was crazy queue right around the you know around the corner of the street so that they could get their bread and their cakes and that was really really popular um so yeah it was crazy i have contact dermatitis i've loads of allergies so my hands were completely breaking out from using hand sanitizer all the time and we were it was very stressful because i ended up being in the shop a lot more a lot of the time you know the deliveries were so busy Me and Jack were both in working together, trying to pack up all the boxes. Alice, um, who works for me now, but she volunteered with us from the start. um, She would come in and help as well. Like some, some of my friends would even just be like, can I come and help you today? Like I'll just sweep the floor or just let me know because a lot of people were stuck at home and didn't have anything to do and we were totally rushed off our feet. So we did get a lot of help from our community and, you know, the people around us so that was great but then yeah when when things started to open up again it just wasn't quite the same it did just start to get a little bit quieter and um, i think people were very anxious it was you know such an unknown time you know regardless of what your thoughts on covid are It is unknown for a lot of people. At the time, there was a lot of people that were nervous to go out. And not even, I don't even mean people that were nervous of COVID. There was a lot of people that had been so isolated in their house by themselves, not around their friends and family. And then they started to get anxious just about going outside. You know, not because they were scared about catching COVID, but because they had been isolated for so long, affected so many people's mental health. So, you know, I think... It was just really, really quiet on the Perth Road once things started to open up again and a lot of, you know, a lot of shops, um, cafes, restaurants, a lot of people I think were finding that it just wasn't the same as it used to be. So the first year of COVID, although very stressful, was very busy, which is great because at the end of the day, I just wanted to ensure that I could pay my staff and then I got another staff member, Flora, um, who's lovely and... You know, it was important to me that I kept their jobs. I had to pay the rent, pay all the suppliers and things like that. So it was great that we were busy so we could keep on doing that. But then, yeah, it did start to get a bit quieter once things opened up.
0: Yeah, and I think as well there was the the point at which we were all sort of stuck at home you you sort of maybe you have a little bit of disposable income and you decide oh, okay well I'll make some different decisions to what I have done before or maybe I will focus like and, and I suppose you see like if you were to go out for your your walk your one-hour walk and you see that everything is closed and that really hits home that I need to support the people that are around me and then when there are the the world opens up and you have m- like much more choices yeah then that sort of fades away to the back of your mind i suppose and you focus on on other things and that i mean i'm sure that's not the the only factor but to me it felt like a a big contributing factor to the the choices that i made during that time and and other people that i know made um and and i suppose it's your business is like a direct correlation to to that and, and the sort of the real sort of peak and trough of of sales at that point
1: yeah definitely I think like a lot of people were at home so there was this huge focus on supporting locally so people did have more time to think oh actually I do want to support all the local businesses like I would want to go here and I want to go there you know a lot of people were furloughed or perhaps working from home working less hours and had a, a lot more time to you know look into what's going on locally nip by and pick up a click and collect and things like that whereas now people are back to work and life is busy and sometimes it is just convenient to on the way home stop by a supermarket if it's right next to where you work and things like that so yeah i do think that has a lot to do with it
0: yeah so i suppose now we're, we're at this point where the the cost of living has increased massively um whether that's through sort of food prices energy bills i mean everything else that um, we've just seen such a, a rise in that um and that affects your choices that affects your ability to to make those choices um and i think there is a sort of there's definitely a correlation between the the ethics of the choice that you make and the the income or the the, the money that you have to spend on things um and i suppose like that um the shop, again, is is probably affected by that. But then also you have a job to try and convince people that you can make better decisions and you can make a difference by making these choices if you have the ability to.
1: Yeah, definitely. It is, you know, a really tricky time right now in the world because that's it, the cost of living has really increased. And I do think one of my difficulties at the start of the year was, Increase in prices and wholesalers, and I tried really hard not to increase our prices, but then that was quite detrimental to the business. And I realized if we're going to stay open, I am just going to have to go, you know, with the increases that the you know all most all of our suppliers, wholesalers have had to put their prices up because their prices have went up. Um, so that was you know a bit of a worrying thing for me but what we've decided to do is we've chosen 10 staple items so like a pasta and a rice a few spices uh, carrots we also have um a moon cup as well um just 10 different items in our shop that we are selling we make less profit on it because we want to ensure that everyone can shop sustainably with us um So yeah, we've decided to do that with uh, 10 of our items. You know, it is is a common misconception that zero-waste shops are always, you know, a lot more expensive than supermarkets. We, You know, I think you can find quite a lot of our items are reasonably priced. Um, We do aim to be as reasonable as we can with all of our prices. Most of our herbs and spices are so much cheaper than you can get them at the supermarkets. Um, We do have a lot of customers saying that across the board, like their whole shopping basket from us is about the same price as they would pay at the supermarkets. We try and be competitive, you know, with our rice and our pasta and oats and things like that. But I think one of the choices that people do have to make if they can afford to make is uh, to think about where their products are coming from. One thing I always talk about, some people sometimes say, oh, you know, why is it that this product here is a little bit more than it is in the supermarket? I always try to say to people you know you shouldn't be asking why is this more you should be asking why is it less at the supermarket because if you think about rice that has been planted in a paddy field somewhere um, on a farm the farmers have grown it, someone's harvested it, someone's dried the rice out someone's packaged it up, it's flown across to the UK um, or comes by ship and then is sent to a supermarket now that's You know, you could count how many people have worked on that easily between five and ten people have worked to get this bag of rice to you. And if you're buying it for such a low, low, low price from a supermarket, it just makes me wonder how ethical is the farm? Are the farmers getting paid enough by the supermarkets? Are the workers in the paddy fields, like, what rights do they have? Are they getting paid a fair wage? In our country, there's laws to make sure that we all get at least minimum wage and fair wages, good working conditions. But these laws aren't always there in other countries. So for me, it's about buying things that are sustainable, not just on the fact that they're not coming in plastic, but they're ethical as well. The workers are getting paid fairly. I... I've never ever tried to haggle a supplier down. I never ask my suppliers for discounts. I never say, if I buy a hundred, will you give me money off? Because that's not fair on the supplier, the people that have put in the time to grow the product, make the product and supply the product. Whereas a lot of bigger supermarkets do, you know, smaller independent shops. Sometimes we can't even buy products from wholesalers. Um, For you know, we can't buy them as cheap as some supermarkets sell them to customers because they're buying in millions, so manage to haggle the price down. But we're buying sometimes in tens, twenties, and hundreds, so it's a it is a difficult one because I completely understand. There's so many people living living in poverty. It's you know, it's really difficult. Sometimes you just need to make a choice so you can put food on the table, and that's never going to be judged. But if you maybe do have a little bit more disposable income and you can make these choices or even, you know, I always say it's not about one person being perfect or a small number of people being perfect. It's about everyone collectively trying together. So maybe you could come and fill up your herbs and spices at us because they are a little bit cheaper. You could buy our 10, you know, sustainable lower priced items. We don't expect everyone to be buying everything from us um, or from other, you know, sustainable independent shops. But I think it's about everyone just doing a little bit where they can.
0: Yeah, because I mean, I remember from your uh, your Pecha Kucha talk, you said if, if people can do anything, they could reduce their their meat intake. Which yeah. would have a massive, potentially have a massive impact if we did. That's
1: it. Yeah, that is that's a little bit of a touchy subject with a lot of people. But I do um, there's an amazing book called How Bad Are Bananas? Bananas are not actually that bad. Um, But it's basically the carbon footprint of everything. And when you break it down, a veggie burger's carbon footprint is a lot, lot lower than a cheeseburger with meat's carbon footprint. And I'm not here, and my shop isn't here to tell people to go vegan. I'm not here to tell people to stop eating meat. To stop eating meat. But, you know, I think if people... Perhaps eat less, or you know, even if they're just buying a vegan chocolate bar, not even thinking about it, or buying our vegan sweets, you know, it is better for the environment. Um, it's a lot less of a carbon footprint if you think about it. For the cow to have to get to adult age, like how much um soy or crops that they need to eat in order for them to get to the adult age to then be slaughtered and become a cheeseburger Um, you could kind of cut out the middleman and just eat the soy and the crops yourself and it saves a lot of land it saves a lot of water you know all the carbon production for for getting there Um, so yeah I do think that's a big thing that people can do but it's I also I'm not here to say everyone you have to become vegan now I, I don't for me for me Being pushy and trying to tell people what to do is just not what I'm about. I am here to provide people with the sustainable choices. I always think that, you know, part of my goal in life of having the little green larder is to just feed vegan pick-and-mix to everyone. Um, A lot of people don't even realise that it's vegan and it is our most popular item that we sell in the shop and I'm like, I'm saving the planet a little bit of vegan pick-and-mix at a time.
0: That's it, yeah, and like it's not uh it doesn't need to be a binary choice, vegetarian or veganism. Like it doesn't, you can yeah. make better choices or more informed choices or more ethical choices around what you do, but it doesn't mean you have to do that for absolutely everything in your. In
1: well, your life. that yeah, that's it. It comes back to one of our core values is that we are inclusive to everyone. So, you know, we are not judgmental of anyone. We would never tell people that they couldn't shop with us if they're not vegetarian or vegan. Of course not everyone's welcome at our shop. Um, and, you know, people being flexitarian is getting really popular now. And I think sometimes like that leads people being flexitarian, then pescatarian, vegetarian, vegan. You know, sometimes it is a scale, you know, very few people our age, you know, were vegan their entire life. Um people that are vegan now, like, it's always a scale getting there. So you know, whatever people's eating habits are, they're all all welcome at our, our shop.
0: Um, so I mean I want to touch on we've, we've probably I should probably have done this right at the start. Yeah. But um there's a lot of terms that get sort of banded about. Yeah. Um whether that's in advertising, packaging or like uh, company's materials or whatever, um or on the shelves that you see wherever you buy um stuff. It, and I kind of wanted to get your perspective on a few of the, the terms that are used um, to kind of see, like, th- just to sort of understand what how you perceive that term and how it sort of gets used. Um, yeah. So I've got a wee list of them. Um, so first off, uh, zero waste.
1: Yeah, so again, zero waste is a tricky thing because it's like, Nothing is really completely zero waste. However, when we're talking about zero waste, it generally means zero waste to landfill. However, we don't actually do landfill in Dundee. It all goes to the incinerator. So zero waste to landfill slash the incinerator when it comes to Dundee. So that basically means I class my shop as zero waste because nothing you buy from us should ever end up in your general waste bin. Um, I don't count plastic as being zero waste. A lot of people say, oh, it can be recycled, but it doesn't get recycled. its I don't know the exact statistic, but it's something like 16% of plastic gets recycled. Um, and also, it's very difficult to recycle plastic into usable plastic again. Whereas a tin can, it's something like a tin can can be put in your recycle bin and be a tin can on a shelf in 30 days again. It's infinitely recyclable. Um, so yeah when it comes to zero waste I would say no plastic and nothing that ends up in your general waste bin so paper packaging that can be composted it can be used again like we have people bringing paper bags back to refill time and time again like I've seen a lady with her like puts prescription bag that she's bought and like filled up with things Um, you know even people that have bought even like raisins in a plastic bag they're, they're bringing it back again now th- that's not zero waste but they're reusing it and um, so yeah i would say nothing that ever ends up in landfill things that can be composted and things that can be very easily recycled or reused
0: um, the next one we've touched on a little bit but um ethical
1: yeah so again that's a bit of a tricky one because everyone's ethics are different but i would just say for me, when I'm thinking about things that are ethical, I'm thinking about what is morally right and wrong. So for us, all of our skincare, all of our laundry products are all vegan and cruelty free. They've never been tested on animals and um, they don't have any, an, any animal products in them because to me that's unethical. I wouldn't want any animals to suffer for, you know, me being able to clean my kitchen countertop or something like that or, you know, to have makeup and beauty products. I, as a side note, I'm just like, they should test on humans because so many people would take the products for free and test them and give feedback. So that that should be a thing. Um, I know it is, but it should be bigger, replacing the animal testing with uh, free human trials. People would be more than happy to try out lipsticks and shampoos and things but, like I that. I mean, they,
0: they already do, like medical trials where you can go and be paid to, to exactly. test and stuff. Why not test products? Exactly.
1: More. Um, And again, with ethical, it is, you know, we sell um, cotton tote bags uh, that we had made and they were designed by a local artist. They were hand screen printed using vegan inks in Britain and uh, the cotton that we got was like certified um, organic cotton that it was all in a facility that was sustainable and they do like... uh, checks on their workers to make sure that they're getting good working conditions and they always have a report about this so there's like a few different ethical things going on there and for me it is making sure that the workers are treated fairly and my staff as well is important that they're treated fairly and um, you know good working conditions and things like that so
0: um and uh, next one's eco-friendly
1: now this one you know what what even is eco-friendly you know you can slap that on anything kind of it is kind of similar maybe to zero waste but to be honest i think eco-friendly is definitely a word that's used a lot in greenwashing. i think people are just using that you could pretty much pass off anything as being eco-friendly if you put the right spin to it so i think it's when it comes down to it as a customer I would encourage you to really look into it and um, into the product into the business are they really eco-friendly or have they just made the product green in color to look sustainable
0: and so you mentioned it there um like you explain a little bit about what greenwashing is
1: yeah so greenwashing is when businesses or companies organizations will put a sustainable spin on something to make it look or appear that they are sustainable when they're, as a whole, probably not sustainable. So a good one that's recently come about is a, a supermarket that I will not name. A big one that everyone goes to. Um, they did this whole campaign, bring your soft plastics back to us. Now, in our council area with the collection bins, you can't put soft plastics into them. You can only put hard plastics, certain types of plastics. So this supermarket... Um, was collecting all of these, and someone actually put a tracker on some of the bits of plastic, and uh, they weren't recycled. They were the trackers went to third world countries, um, so that's just being kind of brought to light. People are thinking, oh, this supermarket, you know, they claim every little helps, but they're not really helping. Um, and also, my my favorite, my absolute favorite example of greenwashing. I'm actually making a TikTok on it. So that'll be coming out soon. I've been I've been visiting supermarkets vegetable section. This is how exciting my life is. And I film a little clip of their reusable vegetable bags. And then I pan to the left or the right of the reusable vegetable bags. And all the fruit and vegetables are in plastic. And I just think it's just ridiculous greenwashing. It's like, oh, we have these reusable bags that you can put your fruit and vegetables in but all of the fruit and vegetables surrounding the bags are just covered in plastic. And it's just the craziest thing ever. Um, I could go on about all these, you know, supermarkets that are doing things like that, that they introduce little trials of refill sections. Oh, this supermarket's amazing. One shop in England has a refill section. When they do make millions and millions of pounds, if they really wanted to, all of their shops could be refill shops, but it's
0: But it requires a lot more
1: effort and staff time and doesn't make them as much money. Well, exactly. Yeah, it comes down to
0: profitability. But what they're really doing with the the, the greenwashing aspect of it is trying to appear as if they're doing their bit. They are being responsible or ethical or, or whatever they're trying to propose. And that will make you spend your money with them.
1: Exactly. It does, you know, it's almost brainwashing people into thinking, oh, they are sustainable they are good i am going to go there um when you know they're maybe they are making some efforts to be sustainable but these big companies do have the money and the experience to make much bigger changes and impact and they're they're just in my opinion they're not doing it so yeah a lot of times people will just literally make their product green in color and uh I think that's where the term greenwashing came from. Um yeah. If things are green, then people think it's sustainable. Not in the case of the little green larder though. We <laughs> we are sustainable. Um we chose green to show how sustainable we are. So that I mean but, that's
0: my last word is sustainable, like sustainability. So
1: Yeah, again sustainability is one of those words that again people are using saying, Oh, it's sustainable, you know, it's it's a. Uh, they're throwing it out a little bit in greenwashing. But to me, sustainable just means, um, you know, is it having a huge impact on our planet or is it just having a small impact? Like, is it very wasteful or is it just a little bit wasteful? You know, it is, there's so many different products and fruit and vegetables and things like that out there that it is, for me, I try and choose the most sustainable choice. So if I can't find an apple in Scotland, People are always going to want to buy apples. I'm always going to sell apples. If there's no Scottish apples available, then I'll buy English apples because that's the next most sustainable choice. If I can't find any from Scotland or England, then I'll get them from somewhere in Europe that's closer so I'll maybe get from France and somewhere that will ship them over rather than fly them because that's a more sustainable choice. I don't really tend to sell um, peaches and things like that because they have a very short shelf life and they have to come over by plane. Um, we always will sell uh, local... I only sell Scottish strawberries um, from Belungi Farm and from Arbuckles because they're right next to us and it is more sustainable. So I just think, you know, sustainable is the best choice for the planet.
0: So, I mean, a few weeks ago, you put out a post on social media um, to sort of talk about a little green larder and how it was doing at the time and um, the fact that things were very difficult i mean i I imagine that was quite a difficult post to put together um and to put out and so I, i kind of want to get a bit of an insight into to what led to you making that post and um how did you feel about putting having to put that post out and then what what happened afterwards
1: yeah so a few weeks ago we did our um kind of come and say hello to us so we don't have to say goodbye posts on our social medias. Basically, things were just getting really quiet in the shop. Um, on the Perth Road in general, it's just definitely not been the same since uh, you know, lockdown was lifted. It has been a lot quieter. Um, not all of the students came back and there wasn't as, just as much passing footfall. Um, so we really were starting to struggle in the shop you know, we are in a prime location, so the rent is higher than it would be if we were in like a smaller area of Dundee Um, and we've got, you know, staff all uh, need to be paid. And it was just, we just were not doing as well as we were before. Um, And I really was getting to the point where I was thinking I'm going to have to just admit defeat and close the business. We tried really hard um, across our social media to bring people in and tell them about all the products that we had but it just wasn't we just were it wasn't enough um, unfortunately so I thought originally last month it was in my head that I was going to close the shop and I was like that's it I'm just going to have to close but I spoke to a few close friends and customers and some of my staff and a lot of people were saying tell your customers this no one knows that you're struggling everyone just thinks that you're doing as great as you normally are and um, so I decided to put together a post just to let customers know that you know there are lots of shops like us closing all across Britain and we perhaps weren't that far behind them but we really didn't want to be we wanted to stay here we wanted to continue to be part of our community um, and to be able to provide a sustainable shopping experience for as many people as possible. Um, So it was, you know, I was actually quite embarrassed to put the post out. I was stressed. I was worried that people would think, oh, my shop's just failing. And, you know, I really have worked so hard, you know, to get the shop where I am. A lot of the times it is right now is behind the scenes work. I'm doing a lot of admin, a lot of like outreach. I get asked to speak at different events and things like that. And then... you know, I would I would have been so disappointed if we had had to close. So we put out the post and so many of our customers came back to the shop. Loads of people said, do you know what? I've been meaning to come here for ages, but I've just fallen in the trap of going back to the supermarkets. And I don't even know why. Loads of people said, I want to support the local shops. This is where I want to close. Loads of customers have said that if we closed, they genuinely didn't know where they would shop because they couldn't find a lot of the items that we stock and um, they wouldn't be able to find them without plastic and they would really hate to have to go back to the supermarkets um, and also just the range that we sell in the location that we are you know there aren't a lot of places where you can get all of your herbs and spices and pasta and lentils and fill up your washing up liquid and things like that like we do have in my head we're like a mini ethical supermarket so we would really got a great response from that Loads of people reached out. I was asked to, you know, speak at a few things. Um, quite a few newspapers reached out to us and said, you know, I'd love to feature you. Um, some local newsletters and things like that. And then yourself reached out and wanted to chat. And, you know, we've had a really great response from it. We also did, a, I say a bake sale. We sell cakes. We sell vegan cakes in the shop and they're always really popular. But I decided to do like a huge cake bake sale day last saturday and i made 300 cakes and they were about 75 percent of them were sold out within an hour it was crazy um all after they'd sold out all day people were like where's the bake sale like "It's, it's sold out there's no cakes left um and yeah loads of our loads of our customers that you know that have shopped with us before, but maybe weren't coming in um, as much as they used to have started returning. People have been saying, oh, you know, I just, you know, kind of fell out of the habit of it. And loads of people have said, I've been meaning to come here for so long, but I've just never found the time. But I, I want to find the time. I want to come and support you. People coming in and saying, oh, do you sell this or do you sell that? And um, I wanted to come here and see if you've got it because I really want to support your business. So it is really... I've been so just overwhelmed with it. And it has been, this month has been absolutely amazing. We're. It feels like we're back to the way that we were at the start. You know, there are obviously quiet times, but it has been definitely a lot better. So yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that I didn't just close. I'm glad that I, you know, said to the people in our community, you know, don't forget about your local independent shops. And also part of that post wasn't, You know it's not just about us it's about all of the independent shops that are on our street you know the more independent shops that there are the more businesses open on perth road that is the better it is for all the businesses you know we have so many of our customers do like they'll come to us they'll go to Fraser's they'll go across the road maybe to Sucsuc or they'll go to Kist like it's it's not just I'm nipping to one shop it's like this is my day of shopping I'm going to go to all of these places they'll go to La Freak, or they'll go to Mary's Kitchen Pacamara you know it's not just you know I'm nipping out for something they'll do their entire shopping within all the little shops on the Perth Road and so I think it's really important that you know, as much as our post was saying, you know, we really do need your support, it was also saying all of the businesses need your support in our area. And and not even just in Dundee, you know, just across the world, you know, a lot of the little independent businesses do need help and support and just need people to, you know, remember to shop locally when they can. Obviously, it's not, you know, it's not sustainable or possible for everyone, but, you know.
0: And, and the, the posters obviously had a huge huge impact yeah Um, definitely it's like the but you had to give the the honesty you had to tell people exactly how it was Um, and i think we're in this age where social media can just be very glossy and positive and everything's great and everything's fine but actually it took a bit of reality and a bit of the sort of i suppose the severity of the situation to, to make people sit up and realize
1: yeah that's it. Like, uh, I think I always try and be really positive with our social media. Um, you know, I hate to really post negative things, which is difficult when you're talking about the state of the world and, and waste. But we do try and be as positive as possible. Because I think there is a lot of negative things on social media that just are detrimental to people's mental health. So we do try and be positive. And I do think that's maybe part of it. People just assumed like we were doing you know, doing great as we always were. And people maybe hadn't noticed um, because we weren't portraying it on our social media that things were getting quieter and we were starting to struggle. And at the end of the day, the most important thing for me is paying my staff. Um, I always, you know, put that above paying myself. And obviously the rent needs paid and the electricity, which is rising and our suppliers and things like that. So, you know, I'm not here. I know I'm never going to make millions having a zero waste shop. It's not about that. It's about doing the right thing Obviously, I need to make a living and my staff need to make a living. But, you know, it's more about just making sure everything's running smoothly and, you know, all of my staff are getting paid properly. So, yeah, I think it is, you know, easy to just think with social media, everything's great. So it was just it was quite emotional for me. Um, And I was a bit embarrassed to say, you know, it's not it's not going as well as it is I think it's a very British thing to just say I'm fine yeah I'm fine everything's fine Um, and I just was getting to the point where I was fed up of saying it because I was like it's not fine and I was finding people would say oh and how things with the shop they're great and I'd be like no no they're it's quite quiet actually and people be like oh oh you know people didn't know what to say to that so I thought you know if I just get it out there in the open I don't need to be embarrassed about it anymore I just you know it's just a, the way that the world is right now. A lot of businesses are getting quieter and struggling, so yeah, I just thought, well, just get it out there, and hopefully, our community will be supportive. And they they totally were. Everyone, our customers, are me. We have so many loyal customers that come to the shop, um, and they've just all been fantastic. So
0: yeah. And so in that in that spirit, I've got an awesome segue into um, supporting other great sustainable local businesses. Yes. Yeah. Um, so yeah can you I normally ask people to, to recommend things they've been watching or listening to or reading but could you recommend some other businesses that people can go and support
1: yeah definitely so there's so first thing, I'll just start with a little and I'm, I'm terrible if I miss anyone out this is awful but there's so many amazing businesses on the Perth Road close to the shop I've already mentioned a few of them Fraser Fruit and Veg is amazing he has a fantastic beer fridge with loads of great local beers in it Loads of fruit and vegetables, and his staff are lovely. Um there's also the Freak record shop, there's Suk Suk, um they do vintage clothing. There is Kist, who is the light of my life, Mary. Uh, she's my work wife. We got our keys at the same time, so our businesses have kind of grown together. Um also the shelter shop next door to me is fantastic. They have wonderful selection of secondhand uh, second-hand clothes. Um Then there's also, of course, the cafes. There's like Pacamara, Fika, EH9 and Mary's Kitchen. They're all really close to us, um, which are great local businesses to support. But there are some other sustainable businesses in Dundee that are just fantastic. Um, I'm a huge, huge, huge Rad Apples fan. Um, They do, their whole menu is vegan, but you would never know because it's delicious. I've taken loads of meat eaters there and one of my friends said it's the best burger that she's ever had in her life and she eats meat. Um, they do great local drinks downstairs. They do gigs and things like that. Um, Serendipities is a local cafe, and what they do is they'll take food that's perhaps a sell-by date but is still completely usable, and they'll turn it into amazing meals. And um, they are. They have a lot of volunteers and they have some workers. And the people that work for them have additional needs. So they do a program as well where people are learning experiences, how to cook and things like that. They're absolutely fantastic. And they have also just opened a shop called The Reboutique where some of their service users and their staff are um, upcycling clothes and things like that. And they also sell local things. And there is also a new business that is opening. It was formerly the Gate Church Carbon Saving Project. But Lindsay and... Taylor and her team have they've branched off and they are doing their own thing now. So the company is called Transition and the shop that they're opening is called The Wardrobe. So it's all gonna be um second and pre loved clothes that they're selling. And they're still running the community fridge, which is on Perth Road. Um that is again, um they collect loads of food from the supermarkets that is at its used by or best before and then people in the community can take it for free or they can leave a donation um, I'm just trying to think of other sustainable businesses in Dundee there's the um, the Cycle Hub which is down on the waterfront and they've got a cafe which is great, they do loads of vegan things um, Locoritas, again I love Locoritas It's a local vegan place, the food there is amazing, if you go on a Tuesday it's Taco Tuesday and where else? I would hate to miss people out in <laughs> and, there. Uh, and there is another zero-way shop in Dundee that's called Love Your Planet. It's in Broughty Ferry and it's run by the lovely Debbie. Um, she has a great range of refills, so if you are over that side of town, then you should definitely go and check out Love Your Planet because it is fantastic. Every time I'm in Broughty Ferry, I go there. She sells these chocolates that are called Honey Cocoa Combs. It's basically like a uh, dark chocolate vegan version of a crunchy bar. I refuse to sell them in my shop because I know that I'll eat them so much that I don't enjoy them anymore. So when I go to Debbie's I get a huge bag and it's my treat and I love them. So yeah, check her out as well. There's also Birchwood in the city centre. and um, They've got a lovely cafe and they sell also local breads and different foods and things like that. They are fantastic as well and they've got loads of vegan selections. So, yeah, I think that is everywhere I can think of. But when it comes down to it, you know, if there's a local business in your area that you can support, if one of your friends is running a business, if, um, you know, if you're out and about and you see like a small local shop pop inside and see what they've got to offer and chat to the staff and you might find out about some new things and learn something and find some great products.
0: Great. I mean, now you've plugged all the great businesses across (laughs) Dundee how do people find your shop and come and visit you?
1: Yeah so we are on Instagram Twitter Facebook TikTok at The Little Green Larder and our website is just www.thelittlegreenlarder.com and we're on Perth Road we're at 272 Perth Road you cannot miss us we're bright green we're opposite from Manny's a lovely local pub you can go to for a wee pint afterwards and uh, yeah you can't miss us when you're walking along the Perth Road because we're bright green. I've got nice big windows for you to see into the shop. So yeah, if you're out and about, you can come and see us. If you can't come to us though, we now have an electric van and we've got lovely Naima who drives the van and I sometimes will be out with my little dog Lady driving it as well. Um, so we, have, we don't have our full range online, but we do have a lot of our um, refillable products like cereals, pasta, rice, lentils, things like that fruit and veg box, vegan pick and mix and everything uh, that you can order to be just delivered to your door. Great, thanks very much. Oh, thank you.
0: So thank you very much to Gillian for doing the episode and her amazing list of local Dundee businesses that you can support. Um, especially in a sort of difficult climate at the moment. Um, Yeah, go and check them out if you've not done so already and go and visit the Little Green Larder in person. Get yourself some pick and mix. Um, Yeah, that's pretty much it for this week's episode. Um, If you would like to support the podcast, you can go to ko-fi.com forward slash dundee and you can buy me a cup of coffee. or you can just follow us on social media it's at CCC Dundee on Twitter and on Instagram and facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash cccdundee um, but yeah, next week I will be joined by graphic designer uh, Bad Bish Design so, so join me next week for that, for a lot of chat about the, the niche and intricacies of uh, graphic design and, and navigating client feedback um, but yeah, until then bye <coughs>